1: Here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Central Mastery Alliance podcast. Today we have a guest, if you can believe it. I know I've been on a bit of an arc uh, with guests. I think it's because as much as you like to hear my voice, other voices are better. Conversations more fun. Today though, today's exciting. Today, I quite possibly have the most famous Canadian I've ever met. No. Well, hey, you're supposed to be quiet while I'm doing the intro. <laughs> no, no, ladies and gentlemen, it's not Alan Thick. It is Erin Karpluck. And this lady has been in all those Hallmark Christmas movies that you watch with your family. She was being Erica. She's been in virtually everything. You can't turn on the television without seeing her sticking her face in and being amazing. Um, and why I really wanted to talk to her and why I'm so honored and blessed that she's taken the time uh, out of her busy schedule to, to join us is because of her social media presence. She has, uh, created quite the career for herself. She's all over the place. She's doing a lot of great stuff. And all she does on social media for the most part is show beautiful mountains, uh, and motivational quotes and speeches and, and talks. So, you know that when she does walk away from acting, she's going to have a great stage career in boosting people up and making people feel good and bringing the positivity back to the world that we so dearly need more and more right now. Without further ado, the longest intro I've ever done. Welcome to the show, Aaron Karpluck. Thank you for being here.
0: Adam, that was so nice. I, mean, honestly, if I could be remembered for anything. I would want to be remembered for that, for spreading positivity. So thank you.
1: Yes. And spreading positivity, you did. Um, you know, uh, some of your posts are just, you know, they're, they're, they're fantastic. You do some shares for sure. But I mean, when you, you know, when you're posting your words, you put a little bit of a video up there, you you know, you'll great scenery, great story, great sort of where you are and what you're doing and, and why it's good to be, you know, always on the positive side of things. Uh, you posted something the other day and i and I got a chuckle out of it because we 're we 're sort of on that arc right now, and the show is you posted a giant fridge full of non alcoholic beverages mm-hmm. and is that is that something that you 're doing right now you're you 're a non alcoholic have you given up drinking what 's your story with alcohol right now
0: that I, I love this and by the way that 's how you and I connected because i via Tyler Levine, whose mutual friend followed your posts. Yes. And then so I kind of creeped you and I reposted some of your stuff because it is very like-minded. And now here we are doing the podcast. Of course. Perfect well, strangers until today. So thanks for having me.
1: Perfect strangers. Perfect strangers until today. Um a couple of a couple of conversations back and forth. But yeah, it it is kismet. And like I was saying to you before we went live, um, the synchronicities that that had your world and my world connect with me watching uh, what we were watching one of your your Christmas movies from back in the day, The Christmas Lodge. It is it's a terrible movie, but it is the perfect Christmas movie. It's this girl that falls off a hill. You pick her up and take her to an abandoned lodge that you and your family single-handedly rebuild in about three weeks. <laughs> and it is the perfect Christmas movie. And you do such an amazing job acting. I, this movie was terrible, but I was glued to it. I watched the whole thing. Um, and, and no joke, ladies and gentlemen, I'm watching this movie with, with Erin doing her thing. Just, she's just another, you know, individual, uh, in, in the process later that night, she added me on Instagram. So when you talk about Kismet, when you talk about the energies and yes, she, we connected through uh, Tyler, bean, um, he's another Canadian. He's on all kinds of stuff. I first got, he first caught my attention on the breaker high. Yeah, that, that's funny. And when I was growing up, everyone's like, Oh, you're just like Jimmy on Breaker High. And I even had to talk down. Oh, gosh, yeah <laughs> So it, he's a long time, uh, a buddy, uh, you know, acquaintance, I guess you could say. But it's funny the kismet, the, the kismet of it. And, and I had to reach out to you after, you know, after paying attention to what you're doing and paying attention to your energy. Your energy. Speaks volumes. It speaks volumes. You are certainly somebody, I mean, I sound like I'm, you know, fan babbling here, but you, you, you can see it. Anyone listening to this right now, by all means, the link will be in the description, but go at her on Instagram if you want the inspiration because she's there. So what? So, the,
0: so back to the non-alcoholic um, fridge. fridge. And it's funny because when we you and I connected, I obviously was doing research and listening to your podcast. And you said in one of them, you said, if you are suffering from, it was in one of the Don Cherry ones, um, (laughs) you're suffering from, which we can also go to too. um, If you're suffering from anxiety and depression, do yourself a favor. Just take one month and don't drink Mm -hmm. and see what it does for you. And I was like, amen brother because and i mean you do you i would never be in a soapbox preaching anything i have friends that have been in the program i have friends now that have drinking problems i have friends that are sober i have friends that are casual drinkers i have friends that are sober curious i have friends that don't drink as a crate. i mean there's a whole myriad of people and how we choose to consume alcohol for me back in september i was introduced to um uh, a fuel for fat loss which is like a kind of like a, a an extreme cleanse for six weeks through my friend michelle addison and uh sarah corker and uh, a part of it obviously entails um not having alcohol for that time and for me it was six weeks without alcohol and i love love my friends know i love drinking wine i thought well shit, that's a long time to mm-hmm. not have wine but i'm committed to this and certainly it can't be that hard so in doing the program I mean, there was many benefits to doing it, but one thing that I didn't anticipate was how clear I felt and how consciously one day I just was aware of by not consuming alcohol. I felt bright. I felt connected. I felt uh, physically, mentally, and spiritually. Mm -hmm. I just felt like a completely different person. And And I realized that I'd kind of been living in this fog as many people do, as many people don't do, and many people don't realize that they're in. And I, it was kind of like an awakening of sorts, if you will. And I just have continued not drinking. And it's been, let's see, we're February. It'll almost be six months coming up. Or no, September 7th, whatever we are now. So five months. And my friends are like, well, what's the deal? Are you going to, you know, are you going to keep not drinking? Or are you going to? And I said, I don't know. But for now, I do not have any desire And, you know, going through Thanksgiving, going through Christmas, going through, you know, dating situations, going through social situations, fundraisers, right, carpet events and not even, and mostly just having friends for dinner or going to dinner parties and not having alcohol has been an incredible social experiment for me. (laughs) And it has, it just has been, but I I just am aware of like, there's never, this is another quote I saw somewhere. You're. No one ever didn't drink alcohol and regretted it. It's like going to the gym. No one ever goes to the gym and is like, oh, I wish I didn't go to the gym. Oh, and I, I've and- done that oh, I done. <laughs> I all the guys in West Hollywood being, you know, like partying. And I was like, I'm so excited tomorrow morning to wake up and not feel like shit. <laughs> so yeah. that's what I'm talking about, yeah.
1: Yeah, it, it, it's true. I mean, um, but you, you touched on one of my favorite quotes. Nobody ever quit drinking and said, I quit drinking six months ago and it ruined my
0: life. Right. You know, that,
1: that, that's not one of those things that had, I like that you said too, I'm not going to stand on the soapbox. I mean, I am firmly planted on my soapbox of not
0: drinking. Uh,
1: it's not something that I, you know, it's not something that I, I I constantly bring up, but I'll tell you, we did my last episode. Uh, most people
0: addiction specialists.
1: Yeah, it was, it was with, it was with the addiction specialist. And, um, so these episodes are searched, uh, new, new people can find them uh, based on sort of how you caption it and what you put in your title uh, and to anyone starting your podcast as well. Your titles are very important. You definitely want to put uh, searchable uh, topics in your titles. So sobriety was in there and uh, it shot up to over 500 listens uh, in the first 24 hours. And I've never had that so quickly. So I think it was 12 hours. It got up to 500 uh, uh, listens or whatever they want to call it plays. Um, so you can tell that sobriety is a thing that's that's really going on. Uh, this isn't a sobriety call. This is going to be an everything call. So listeners, you know, we're still technically into the intro here, but this is going to be a, a pretty heavy call. Me, a lot of fun. Um, and sobriety, and just on this topic, sobriety is a, is is a phenomenal idea. And then when put into practice, it is a phenomenal way of living. I am 39 years old, very soon to be 40 years old, and I feel. After two and a half years of sobriety, that I'm just starting to live my life. The mistakes that I made, the pain that I caused others, the pain that I caused myself—all of that uh, is is gone. Um, the alcohol is so funny because we're so we're so dumbed down to it. And I was actually having this conversation with uh, with a friend of mine the other day. And and so many times you'll hear this. Uh, I didn't. I didn't. I don't drink that much. I don't <laughs> drink that much. You know, mm-hmm. and I think it's funny. I think it's funny when, when you say, you know, go 30 days without drinking. Well, I don't drink that much. Right. You're immediately justifying not being able to do 30 days without booze. 100%, yeah. And, and you, like you said, you, you hit I the was terrified. On the head. I
0: was like, no, I don't want to give up my wine.
1: Yeah. yeah. Who am I without my wine? I can't associate myself without my wine. If that isn't a sign of addiction, without even realizing it, you know, what yeah. is. That's and and it's because it's a, it's because it's a norm. Like not only did I, I give up uh, that, I gave up, I gave up everything. And, and the funniest thing is pork was the hardest thing to give up when I gave everything up. Cause it pork. never, it never, it never occurred to me that it was that bad for you. But I just, I, I took on, I gave up alcohol and cigarettes and drugs and all that sort of stuff and, and took on the Leviticus, Leviticus diet, which mm-hmm. basically was don't eat, don't eat anything that eats its own shit. <laughs>
0: so, oh, pork! You gave up pork. I was like, you pork. gave up pork. Okay. Pork, pork, pork.
1: I only give up port. That stuff was too thick. Um, But yeah. So, so, and it's funny because those combinations, those conversations, like, and especially for you, you do have to be in the public eye. Like you have that added, you have that added pressure on you of, of not only do you, like you have to be yourself, but you also have to be, proper because you never know who's watching or who's looking or what could happen, especially in this day and age where right. it seems like everybody everywhere is just waiting to jump down the throats of somebody for something.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know? So you have to be you have to be constantly on guard. Ladies and gentlemen, if she says anything on this episode that makes you want to jump down her throat, come through me first. Do me that do me that favor.
0: Thank you. And I loved what you also said on something about like heroin, how and there There is a huge shift with sobriety and people are, I mean, I'm reading all kinds of um, articles. I subscribe to medium, which is a wonderful thing. I get like little articles every day. And, you know, people are, people that are in the program say, you know, if you're sober curious or you're just dry, it doesn't mean you're sober and this and that. I think if anyone in whatever avenue is finding happiness in sobriety and however they get there is great. And and there's no one way to get there. And for me, I just know like I'm. people struggle with giving it up or addiction or how that is relevant to you. For me, it was just a conscious choice that it was such a positive choice. Like what you said, your whole life has changed. Yeah. For me every day, I'm just like, yeah, no, I, I still don't feel like drinking. I don't want to drink um, because it's like making my life better. It's not like, oh, what am I going to do without wine? It's like, uh oh, no.
1: It gives it you the opportunity to-, to look for things to do as well. You know, when you're not, when you've got all that extra time, you're like, I want to do this now. I want to do that.
0: Yes. Totally. Yeah. And it frees up your creativity and it's definitely like, you know, people will think that if you don't have a substance, mind altering substance in some form, maybe your creativity or whatever's bringing you success in your life will not be as strong. And I think that's a load of hooey. I'm going through it. I'm like, Oh man, like I'm, is so much more energy and the creative juices keep flowing and they're not dampened down by this, by needs of like escaping through whatever it is. And alcohol is, is certainly one thing. So,
1: and, and yeah, you know, we can beat this. We could, we could do an entire episode on this one. Um, But yeah, it, you know, it really comes down to what you want. And if, and, and and I'm so happy to hear that, you know, you took in something, you started to say um, I was talking about heroin and to finish that off. So you don't seem crazy to people that are listening to this. What I had said about heroin a couple months back was you don't go out for lunch and shoot heroin a little bit. You don't have a couple of shots. I think that's what you were going to talk about, right?
0: Yeah. People are not like, Hey man, why aren't you doing heroin? Yeah. But they'll be like, Hey man, why aren't you, why aren't you having a drink? You know? Yeah.
1: Oh, that's, that's the biggest one. Oh, you quit smoking. That's fantastic. Oh, you quit recreational drugs. That's fantastic. Oh, you quit heroin. Good for you. You quit drinking. You must have a problem with alcohol.
0: Are you? Yeah, exactly. Are
1: you okay? Is everything all right? Shut up, Susan.
0: Yeah. And some of my friends, I'll be like, Hey, like friends coming into town. Uh, saying let's go for dinner. And I'm like, oh, by the way, I haven't been drinking. They're like, me neither. And it's yeah. just like it's rampant mm-hmm. rampantly awesome. But so many people, and we're like, you, you too, you too. And I don't know if it's because CBD, and I actually don't, uh unless I go camping or something and want to like smoke a joint. I've never been big on uh cannabis. But do you think I read an article last night that is because cannabis is becoming because it's legalized that people are more into that? I don't know.
1: I, that's a topic that you know.
0: Uh,
1: I, I I laugh at I laugh at that topic because when you look at the articles and when you look at uh, when you look at the media as they deliver it, um, it's funny for me to be sitting in this position talking about the media to somebody who has made a living in the media. Uh, but the media says, you know, uh, you can you know now that now that marijuana is legal to purchase, why are you still buying it off criminals? Right. And I laugh my ass off. So I, I buy my marijuana from the government because it's legal or I buy my marijuana from Steve down the street who I've always bought from. But he's a criminal. Right. So it's a mad, it's, it's a wordplay. It's a twist. It's how they it's how they've delivered this, this message to us. And it's all in the delivery. Now, I don't think the legalization, quote unquote, of marijuana had a bunch of old biddies out going, hey, now I'm going to go smoke weed. Right, Right? because first of all, smoking for a non smoker, also smoking itself, like cigarettes, whatever, that's it's dying off at at a a drastic rate. Mm -hmm. So, to pick up and smoke marijuana, that's limited to those that actually smoke, like, nobody, very few people will smoke cigarettes and not, you know, not weed. And now they're talking about vaping, they're talking about this, and they're talking about that. But the idea that people are not drinking because of marijuana, I don't think the two of them correlate. I think, mm-hmm. I think what's happening is we're, I think, again, to dump into the, the conspiracy side of things, I think we're on a global awakening. Yeah. And I think people are starting to understand that alcohol is, is a poison, poison. Ha- handed to you yeah. deliberately to keep you stupid, to keep you slow, to keep you complacent and to keep you docile.
0: And yeah, um, have, you, have you read This Naked Mind or listened to it?
1: This, this Naked Mind, no.
0: This Naked Mind, it's an, it's an incredible, I, I listened to it on Audible, and it basically, is, it's it talks about cognitive dissonance. Yeah, and one of my it, main topics. There you go, and it's just it's just science. It's like it, basically everything that you've, you and I have been talking about. And a couple of, I had this little group of five of us here, and we don't necessarily have a book club, but we all recommend things, and we all read it, and we're like, shit, we don't want to drink anymore. Because so, it's like, this is a poison. And we put it in our bodies, and society says it's good, and all the ads, like the Super Bowl ads, and the this and the that of like, and dating, dating is hard. Not drinking. Um. That's a total side side <laughs> trip, but anyways, this Naked Mind is a wonderful resource uh, and just a fascinating book to read if you. Probably taken
1: that down. I love There's Audible. It. My Audible collection is massive.
0: Oh, I love it so much. Love it, love
1: it. Love it. So let's talk about your dating. Oh God. And then I brought it up and I was like, shit. Yeah, you did bring it up, sucker.
0: Yeah, I, did.
1: I, did. Uh, I I don't date. So uh, I don't date. I'm not married. I'm not looking. I'm not interested. Uh, I am 100% uh, in tune with finding out more about myself. So I've never had the displeasure of having to sit across from a... Well, here's another thing too. Uh, and most of my listeners will know this. I don't care much for society or people. Um, and that's not me sugarcoating it or, trying to like play it up or anything like that. It's just that I, when I quit drinking, I left society. I left what I knew and what I knew was partying. Like when I was a kid, I was a bouncer. I worked at multiple clubs. I, I was everything, right? I was that guy that was huge. Steroids didn't matter. I was big. I was jacked. I was drunk. I was having the time of my life. I was a pile of shit. I was a douchebag. I was your atypical douchebag. I lived through hell, uh, personally. I was personally in hell Um, and that came out of in my actions unintentionally. I didn't know until I look back on it in hindsight and say, wow, I was a prick Um, years ago. Uh, So it slowly diminished before I quit. I was cutting back and I was being obviously more observant and I've been more observant since I would have to say 2013 is when I started becoming more observant, A, a huge shift and a huge awakening was taking place and I was paying more attention and I was looking into God and I was looking into this, going from atheist to God and then, um, uh, and working through God and working through the, the, the rabbit holes of, of all the conspiracies of, of paying attention. Mm-hmm. You, you shared, was it you that shared? I don't know if you shared, but you commented, we were talking about prisoners. If you can't change your mind, you are effectively your own best prison warden was one of the posts I just put up on the, the Instagram. Uh, okay. No. And so I hunted my ability to change my mind and to not be locked into what I truly believe because what I thought I believed was not the truth. It was an an amalgamation of the stories that I accepted, Mm -hmm. um, which formed me, which I've subsequently been changing, which now I bring back to dating. Mm -hmm. I have no idea how I would sit down in front of somebody and have a conversation like you and I are having right now. Without sounding completely batshit and without having them going, I want out of here, you know. What I can do, however, is go on a date with somebody who wants to talk about shapes and colors. I can certainly do that for about five minutes. And especially when I'm not drinking, I, I don't think I could do that anymore. But that's what my dating life was before. Mm-hmm. Nothing serious, nothing important, nothing nothing real. And I don't know how I don't know is there an app? Like, can I go on a Tinder for smart people or for people that don't want to just hook up? I have it's it's an interesting thing. Like I, I can't see myself dating because I don't see I don't see people in a sexual manner. I see people in an energy-based manner and, and how they reflect in society manner and how they carry themselves and how they feel about themselves and their aura and their essence. And it's it's so skewed. The waters are so skewed. They're not deep waters, but they're certainly muddied up to appear deep. And <laughs> and, and I don't know. So all that, me, my giant rambling, all that to say, how the hell do you date?
0: <laughs> no, and I, Hey, listen, I'm with you. I find the apps and the, and my aunt is amazing. She lives in Langley, British Columbia. And a couple of years ago I was back for Easter, whatever. And I just said, Oh yeah, I'm seeing someone. I met him on uh, Bumble. And she said, well, what's that? I'm like online. It's a, it's an online app. And she was like, are you that desperate <laughs> And in her eighties and I was dying laughing. And I was, i was saying, you know, I was like, yeah, like everyone's on there. Like I dated an NFL player that was on there and Sharon stone recently gave Bumble shit because they deleted her account. Cause they thought that she was like a baloney, and it was really hurt. Like, I mean, it's just so socially acceptable now. And when you're in these large cities, it's hard to meet people. And so my experience with online dating in places like Vancouver or, Particularly Los Angeles is it's an awesome opportunity to meet somebody that you would never cross paths with normally, mm-hmm. and at the very worst, you're stuck talking to someone for a half an hour that you know you're not going to match with. But I always say if I'm here, you know, I've, I've curled my hair, I've <laughs> traveled to Venice or wherever the hell they are, and you know, sat down. I'm like, this is a human being. I'm here for a reason. I can glean something from them. And one guy immediately like we didn't I I knew that I wasn't going to jive with him but he gave me a bunch of camping info that was really great and I was like thanks so much man and like and I got all this great camping advice and it's great anyways I don't do online dating um anymore because I I feel like just you kind of hit the nail on the head about like connecting with somebody that you don't know online for a sexual relationship. And even if you're looking for something long-term, like just meeting that person, it just feels so forced and inorganic that I'm I'm kind of like, like you have just like released the reins and I'm now going into more of a state of working on myself and being in a place that if the universe, not to sound woo-woo, but I am woo-woo. It
1: is. It has to be. Woo-woo is the way to be. be.
0: If if, If the universe, when I am ready, um and the right person is ready the right person for me and is in the right place and we meet then that's what happens all the relationships that i've had have come from um meeting like literally backyard Aussie. we call him luke he was a sweetheart little Aussie guy he lived in the backyard of a place that i was renting here in los angeles literally walked by as i was doing dishes and my roommate at the time candace McCrever, was like oh dear god because he was beautiful long eyelash Aussie Aussie dude and like and then you know I went back
1: He like, had a pet kangaroo
0: sugar? yeah can I bought some sugar and got talking and there we are and then we dated for a really long time and it was lovely but it was just it was organic and I don't know how else to describe it but it's always or through work or through friends but it's like when I meet these people I'm not like oh this is gonna be my sexual partner or my husband <laughs> And it be like, oh, hey, you get to know them. And particularly the men that I've dated through um, work, you know, you get to know them. And I don't think at the time, it's just, I'm very, when I work, I'm extremely professional. Work is work is work. But then, you know, in getting to know them and then it becomes something else. But so da- so dating and it's it's just, it's tricks tricks i'm bambling and rambling
1: no it's good it's interesting because i i mean rambling is fun too but you you know when you start rambling you end up saying a lot of stuff about yourself that that's that helps because a lot of times people don't talk about themselves and it's got to be more difficult for you as well because your circle your circle of 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 influence is is your work right so you know what you're you're not used to quote unquote the normal people or the this or the that like you in the back of your mind, it's always, it's got to always be ever present in the back of your mind that, that people might only want to talk to you because of what they've seen you do on television or because of, you know, the, the job that you have, you know, it's gotta be and, a little bit harder. And yeah. dating
0: too. A lot of people are like, Oh, you're an actress. Like some people in LA, they won't even date you if you're an actress. Cause they have a preconceived notion of that. Or some people that I've met, uh, more so in Canada, um, where I've dated, they have an idea about me that I'll never live up to. Like they put me on this pedestal of like, you were on Christmas Lodge, you're being Erica and you're an actress. And I'm like, yeah, you're seeing me after.
1: (laughs) Is that how they talk to you? With their arm up? (laughs) You, welcome.
0: (laughs) I've had like an hour and a half in the makeup and hair trailer and editors and a DP and everyone making me look good and words written for me. Like, of course, that's, you know, that's, but then me in day-to-day life, I'm not that. I'm like, you know.
1: Well, I can tell you one thing that carries over. On television, you have glamorous eyebrows. And right now when you're sweats and your hair up, you have glamorous eyebrows as well.
0: Thanks. So Thanks. It
1: ca- carries over super well. <laughs> well <thank you. laughs> so we, we can talk about dating. There's another full-on episode. I mean, I'm sure that there's tons of people out here that, that would love to pick the brain of somebody who's lived your life. There are tons of people out here. There are so many people that, want to be in the movies, that want to do this, that want to do that because they were part of it. When you were growing up, before you were ever cast in anything, Mm -hmm. did you say to yourself, I'm going to be on TV? You know, how did, like, what, what turns you into the actress, the the most famous Canadian that we've all met? This, (laughs) this.
0: Meanwhile, Ryan Reynolds, Rachel McAdams, Justin Bieber—all like, what? Who the hell is Aaron Carter?
1: Um, you know what? Though here's the thing, I I about that. And you know, there's so many levels and layers, and, and every single person could be like, there's. We always see those posters. I wish I had what they had, and that sort of thing, right?
0: Yeah, so, grass is greener. Yeah.
1: Exactly right. The, the The grass is greener, and and the funny thing is, you know, you talk to people who 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 will match your energy and your essence, no matter what they do or where they are. Mm-hmm. And you find those people because you're put in the path of those people and you're susceptible and you're receptive to those people. Like I'm sure there's a million people that have reached out to you on Instagram that you've never said anything to. Just I know that there's a ton of people that have reached out to me.
0: Yeah. There's no way you can't
1: reply to everybody. Right. So, I mean, and it's not even up to you who you do reply to. Sometimes somebody will say something that'll catch your attention and you'll, you'll check it out or you'll try. And there's a lot of, like we were saying before, there's a lot of celebrities that don't even run their own social media. They've got people doing it for them. Mm
0: -hmm. So,
1: you know, it, it gets down to like, you know, connecting with your, with your kismet. So when I joke and I say the greatest celebrity of all, you know, my mother, (laughs) and we were talking about this before the show, my mother will listen to this episode because you are on it. Right. She's never listened to any of my episodes, but she's going to listen to it because you're on it. And uh, I laugh at that. And she says, you know, why would she want to talk to you? <laughs> and, and I laugh because it's your mom. Right. And that, you know, your mom is your biggest supporter regardless of anything, but she's also going to be your biggest critic to your face. So yeah. I just think it's funny, you know, like, why would she want to talk to you? And I'm sure there are people out there that I don't even know who to put a name on, but I'm sure that you could think of an actor that like, why would they want to talk to me? you know, oh, and, and there's, there's all these people. And it's also, it's not like you're an actor, he's an actor. We all go to the same school. We all hang out at the same club. There's, everybody has their own lives. Everybody still is on their own levels. Mm-hmm. And I think that stuff's funny because you know, image is everything. And there are so many people that would kill. I mean, your show ran for what, five, eight, seven. We, a did, we did
0: a full four seasons uh, for it was scripted for four seasons to the point where she becomes a doctor and then we, but it's shot for five from the pilot through to the end. So yeah, it was, it was 2007 to 2011 in Toronto, which is like the most amazing time of my life. So. And that's,
1: and that's like, that's super neat, right? So there are people that would kill for that experience. And you think to yourself, like you could possibly think, I wish I had more, or I wish I had something else that they had, but your well, work, your work will go down in infamy, especially in Canadian lore. Being Erica is a well-known Canadian show you know, and that's, you know, it's like, it's like Anna Green Gables uh, being Eric.
0: Which is my fan. And I just had Megan follows. Uh, she directed me in an episode and she obviously played the original Anne and I was totally starstruck. I finally said to her, I'm like, Megan, it's Megan, by the way, not Megan. That's I, right. Love you. And uh, I finally said, I'm such a fan. And she was really sweet about it. And Sarah Polly. And, and of course, everyone grass is always greener. And even these huge celebrities that, lose their minds when they're like next to Meryl Streep or you know what have you and just to flip back to to the moms and you're like who want your mom said to you well who wants to talk to you <laughs> well I do mom and then my mother always says because I'm from Jasper National Park which is a small town 4,500 people in Alberta and because I'm on television you know my my mom she's always saying well it's the stupidest thing Aaron you know I go downtown and and Mrs. Bangle's asking, you know, well, what's, what's Aaron up to? What's Aaron up to? And she always says, you know what I say? Because I, I have an older brother. She's like, well, I tell them Ryan is doing really well. He's an engineer in the CN. And she just says, I, she's just blown away that people are always asking about me because I'm on television. And she doesn't get it. She thinks it's silly because, you know, everybody's got a job. Everyone has a gotta do something a day, But because you're on television and everyone has a television, it just seems, it seems grandiose. And to flip back to your initial question of which is why do I do this? Well, yeah, what was not? it? What, what was, was it like? like? I, and no one's ever asked me this before, but again, growing up in Jasper, uh, there's no theater in our school. It's too small. We had French band. Mm. I grew up skiing. I played hockey with the boys. Like there was absolutely no drama class. Um, but I knew from a very young age, I was obsessed with Three's Company, I was obsessed with television. I loved, you know, Corey Haim and River Phoenix and, and, and uh, Edward Scissorhands. I remember watching Winona Ryder um, in it and just being like, oh my God, like it's all I ever wanted to do. I'm like, I want to be an actor, I want to be an actor. And my best friend Jody Scroop and I were up at the ski hill and uh she's like what do you want to do what do you want to be she went off to a world college pearson world college and i was like well i want to be an actor and she was like really and i was like doesn't everybody She's like, no (laughs) anyways it was this secret 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 dream that i had and i felt like in the environment that i grew up in which was i love my parents but they grew up in an age where you know my mother always said you're either women are either your nurse or your teacher and my dad all the men in my family are railroaders on the CN, as is my brother, as are thirteen of my cousins, and they're very like uh, practical, stable jobs. so I always had this this secret dream, if you will, that I believed in so much, and I never told anyone and it is Adam to this day, and I'm 41 years old now it's the only thing that I've followed without hesitation and committed to in my life, and that path sometimes it's those days of like Indiana Jones where you just got to step and you don't see the path in front of you and you're going to fall. And I just kept stepping. And now being 20 years in the industry and looking back, being like, okay, and you can look at your accomplishments and your successes. And there's always more that you can do, but it's the one thing that I know. And I'm so grateful because I think the hardest thing in life is to figure out what your purpose is, what your passion is, what your dreams are. And I'm so glad at a very young age I realized what it was and I followed through. And if I kick the bucket tomorrow, I will not have any regrets about not following my dreams. And you know, they they've come to me in in not necessarily the ways that I thought, but there's certain times in my life where I'm like, holy shit, like I used to dream about this. I used to dream about leading a television series. I used to dream about like literally fantasize and um, about this moment um, manifest, I think is a lot of people, a word that people are using nowadays. But anyways, I just remember like clunking away and I accidentally got accepted to the UVic as a theater major. I'd never done theater a day in my life. And I went and did this course for four years. The first year we had to do a big monologue on dead characters. Uh, So I did Bonnie and Clyde I didn't know what a monologue was, so I wrote in all the rugby players from my my dormitory residence to come in on the catwalks and shoot us. And I had a ketchup package that I like squirted out of me, and I was like, "Clad, clad, as I die." And 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 everyone in my class was like, "The teachers like this is not a monologue. This is like a full play." Because <laughs> I didn't know. I didn't know what a monologue was. Anyways, I ended up and everyone in my class was like, oh, "That's not a monologue. Anyways, ended up making it through to second year acting, third year, and by fourth year out of, I think, 80 of us, it was down to say six of us. And it was doing a lot of theater stuff. And then from there, uh, I graduated, and I needed those four years to grow up from being like super small town in Jasper. Small town girl, it takes me a while to grow up and learn. And then from there, I went to Vancouver. And I, it's kind of a long story, is this okay?
1: Go. Please, yeah. I'm sitting here watching. I'm entertained.
0: Okay, so as I then- know,
1: everyone's just listening to you right now. You've got the stage. You have the floor.
0: Um, thank you. So, uh, so then my mother, I traveled to Thailand, a waitress, and got money. And I thought, well, what the hell am I going to be doing? Like, what what do I do? How do I how do I start to be an actor? And then my mother, on New Year's Eve, 2000 two thousand one, she said, "Hey, are you serious about doing this?" And I said, um, yeah, I am. And I thought I was going to travel all around the world. And she said, well, your father and I have agreed. They're divorced, but she said, we've agreed to come, like, help you find a condo and we'll put a down payment. We'll help you put a down payment on a place. So right then and there, got in the car, went straight to Vancouver and missed my new year's plans and uh, found a place. And I'm super grateful for my parents. Uh, Never went back to Jasper. My dad drove out all my stuff. A month later, I got possession of my place. I worked at the Cactus Club for a month and then I booked a job as a secretary on a show. And so even if I had one day of shooting in a week, that was enough for me to quit my waitressing job. Mm-hmm. And that was when I was 22 years old and I never had to look back on, um, on anything. I just kind of rolled um, from there and, and took off quite fast. Things happened. And so I'm really grateful for my mom for sitting down and financially supporting me to, to help me get the place and also pushing me to like, if, are you going to do this? Cause I might've went around the world. I could be in India right now with five kids and maybe that would be great too. But because we had that conversation, I really am so grateful for them for that. And,
1: um, I hope your and, mom's and, listening to this one as well.
0: Yeah, she, she's, she's, my, my mom is, she's really great. And I do remember one last story in grade 11 because there is no acting in Jasper. I've said that before. Mm-hmm. We were doing a, a, a mock disaster to test the emergency facilities in Jasper. So that would be the RCMP, the volunteer firefighters, um, everybody in Jasper that would have to, cause it's a very small isolated town if there was a car accident, it's anyways. So they had the grade 11 students um, participate in a scenario, a simulated scenario where we crash two cars and we act out the victims in this and then the emergency teams they come and it's it's just basically an exercise for them and i remember so i was chosen i was a burn victim i had blisters all over my face and a team from edmonton came in and they gave us our scenario what kind of a victim we were and put on the prosthetics blah blah so we go to the base of the ski hill they have two crash cars and i just remember the last thing i said they said the more real you make this the more real it will be for our emergency teams And then they sounded the horn and I just lit up. I was a victim. I was in it and I was, you know, I just, it felt alive. It felt like electricity going through me. And we had a code word if something was really wrong. I think it was no deaf. And I remember my guidance counselor and Mr. Hindle. they were on the volunteer firefighters. They were in there. They had to use the jaws of life to get us out. And Mr. Price is like, Aaron, he's like, Aaron, are you okay? Are you okay? Because he thought that I was really something was really wrong with me. And I, and I stayed in it and I didn't use the code word and we went off and I just felt like, like magic had happened. And like, I knew that this is what I wanted to do, but I was so shy and grew up in a, in an environment where like, you're not really, it's not really an option. And then the next morning uh, in school, Mr. Price came in the hallways at the high school and he just said, he's like, Aaron, he's like, you should be an actress. That was incredible. And it is his words that said that to me that actually gave me the courage to be like, I'm doing this. I'm going to go and try this. So anyways, that's my very long story about this silent dream and this invisible path of what I do. And to this day, it gets harder and harder as an actress, as you get older and you know, not having a huge American name to get work, but I don't question it ever. And we don't get a pension and it's an incredibly unstable job, but It is all I've ever wanted to do. And every day that I'm on set as a, as a day player or as a lead on a series, it's like Christmas morning. It's just, again, grateful that I know what I want to do and I get the opportunity to do it.
1: Are you, (laughs) are you, are you busy right now still? Do you have, you know, a lot lined up Um, or, or how is it, how is it looking for you?
0: Last year was big and then everything, everything came out at once. Uh, this year I've just shot something that I told you about before. Nice. I know nothing, nothing. But you're not allowed to say and that's that'll right. be out shortly. Uh, season three of Holly Hobby um, uh, will be starting that in March. Uh, there were whisperings of a Being Erica movie, but I don't think that that's going to happen.
1: Hmm. Well, what Which- about Hallmark? You, you've got, a, you got your foot in the door there. Are you going to be doing any more Christmas movies?
0: I did three last year, so there's. <laughs> so usually they start shooting the, um, and they weren't all Hallmark, Hallmark uh, but they were all shot in Toronto. I shouldn't
1: I've, say I shouldn't say Hallmark. It's just that's the channel that you always see them on, you know.
0: You affiliate and Netflix right now is pounding out Christmas movies like they're oh, yeah. giving Hallmark a room for their money. Um, but yeah, I did uh, one for a lifetime. I did magical Christmas shoes in Hamilton, Christmas cupcakes in. Edmonton, a Christmas kiss or New Year's kiss in Vancouver Island. Anyways, they start shooting Christmas movies usually in the summer, which is Mm. funny because it's it's the hottest time of year and there's no snow. but And you get the
1: trucks and there's the scenes in the trucks and they're hit with that snow in a can business. And all the Canadians are like, what are you doing? Come on.
0: Yeah, 100%. Or bubbles. They have fake snow that's made out of bubbles now. It's usually potato flakes or bubbles. And the bubbles, Adam are terrible for your hair oh, because right. it, they'll curl your hair these are life is so hard because yeah. they'll hours curling your hair and then this big snow comes and it's flatter than pancake i think that's anyway. hilarious it's it's what is
1: it it's a toss-up between you and uh, uh what's her name the full house chick and uh lacey chabert are like the three queens <laughs> the <laughs> three queens can't... of hallmark and christmas and all that sort of stuff
0: hilarious this so they're so fun to do though and it makes people feel good so
1: it it really does, and I was saying the Christmas Lodge was terrible. It's not a terrible movie. It's 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 the it's the perfect film. Like it's it, the way it's done is it makes you it, it crams in all this absurdity into like an hour and twenty minutes. Yeah, and it's it you have to suspend your disbelief, cognitive dissonance, get away from everything that you think to be real.
0: Yes, yes. And Michael Shanks, who's in that, he was the lead on Saving Hope, which I did a a, a chunk on. And then what else did him and I work on? Anyways, he's a lovely man, but we're what happens behind the scenes is like, I mean, we're full grown adults and we're kind of gruff. We can be gruff together. And it's funny doing this very pristine Christmas movie. where, like, we don't even kiss. And I think when we shot it, I was in my early thirties and he was in his early forties. And like, they don't even have, we're not even allowed to kiss. <laughs> <laughs> it's just funny. He's got like three children in real life. and It's, it's
1: neat. It's neat how that, that, that becomes a timeless thing. Like to, that to me, like the first time I'd ever seen that was this year. So that was, you this year you know like that's you know and it's interesting to sort of you know go back and the the other one here's here's another funny thing the other one that I saw of your work um, was Eve's Christmas
0: oh my I was a baby then yeah yeah
1: yeah and that one came on I don't know what was going on but this one was about a month after you and I had started talking And my mother says, there she is again, that's her, that's your girl. I'm like, oh yeah, that's my girl, all right.
0: Mom needs to be a publicist.
1: Yeah, she does need to be your publicist. She's your number one fan after I mentioned it, it's true. And uh, and Ma, if you are listening to this, you know, I've already talked to her. Uh, I think we're going to get you into one of them Christmas movies the best we can anyway. Especially if they're shooting in Toronto, you're coming down for an extra.
0: you are going to be in the background. (laughs) Mind you, I did have my mother do background work on being Erica and they cut her out. So.
1: Yeah. So you might get cut out, Ma, but that's okay. We still believe in you. I believe in you. I know people want to see you on film, Ma. I know it. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's, that's amazing. Um, you were also in one of my all time favorite shows. You were in a couple episodes of Supernatural.
0: Um, oh, yes.
1: And, and it's, it's funny because, you know, my, the way my brain works is once I've locked into something and once I've paid attention to something, mm. other things connect and click and I'm like oh yeah she was here she was there and there's it's it's a, literally a who's who of people who have rolled through cameos uh, in Supernatural
0: totally. and
1: and it's it's such what was the experience working with those guys and working on that set I don't you couldn't have been there for too too long but it, it must have been a little bit of fun for you out in Vancouver oh, and, all that.
0: and those guys are the nicest guys they're super ugly but they're so na- I'm joking they're like super ugly yeah super is that Jared um,
1: Padalecki?
0: Uh, Jensen and I had actually worked together in Dark Angel. It was the final episode of Dark Angel with Jessica Alba. James Cameron directed it. Oh boy. And they wanted the singer Brandy. Brandy, she was pregnant at the time and she was going to be their stunt casting, which is like their big cami that would come on for this series ending. And she couldn't do it last minute. And then they had an audition on Friday. We started shooting that episode on Monday and I went in for like uh, just a super impromptu audition, ended up getting it. I had short, short hair. Anyways, ended up shooting for 17 days and James Cameron, it was kind of the launching pad for my career. Hel- he helped me get my green card. Cool. This is like king of the world at the time, right? Um, so I worked at Jensen on that and we would just spend like 17 days running around uh, doing car chases, this, this and that. And he's just such a good dude i'm from alberta he's from texas so we're just kind of the same temperament and uh like i remember one morning at six o'clock in the morning kevin Durand and and jensen and i went back to jensen's skyrise downtown vancouver and had beers at like six in the morning and he's just a good dude and then so working with them on this on supernatural I was in season one and then the show went on. It's, I mean, it's still going on, right? Isn't there in the last season? They're,
1: they're in the middle of season 15 right now, yeah.
0: 15. Their and season,
1: final
0: season, The show's gone on for so long that they ended up reusing actors within Vancouver. So I was on episode one and that's where I first met Jared. And then I was on season nine, I think, nice. as, as a completely different character. And like, you know, uh, Supernatural fans are so smart and they know everything they're like oh
1: wiki so natural
0: cool. yeah they're like that's so and so from episode one <laughs> she's back in episode nine and i can say throughout those nine years or the nine at least the nine seasons whatever however long that was to shoot the guys have not changed at all they both just in that time they both got married and had kids and were the exact same otherwise just like super cool they did
1: they did an episode um where they broke into the real world they broke out of the tv world and they broke into the real world and they were Jensen Eccles and Jared Padalecki. Oh no way. So the guy says, the guy says, or Jensen says to Jared, he goes, so what uh, you're Polish. <laughs> and I don't know that scene like basically made me spit the water. It was a water take. I spit it out of my mouth. I laughed my ass off. So apparently I'm Polish. I don't know, uh, uh, but it was such, I love when you see, when, when you see like the movies make fun of themselves or when they tear down the fourth wall. So, wow. so, um, Sam and Dean crash through the wall. Uh-huh. Uh, and then they is this were
0: an actual episode or is this just a spoof thing on the side?
1: No, no, it's a full episode. They were they were chasing a demon or whatever, and then they crashed through this wall, and the wall was the set. They knocked the set over. And what? now they're now they're in the real world and they're in Vancouver and they're Jensen Eccles and Jared Padalecki. They're not Sam and Dean.
0: So <laughs> and they,
1: they, have, to, they have to get back into it. I can. I'll find the episode. I'll, I'll send it to you for sure, so you can at least check it out. But it was hilarious, and there's like you can really see his acting chops in there because he's sitting there in the, in his uh, actor's trailer watching episodes of him on Days of Our Lives.
0: Oh my god! Oh my god! And <laughs> they—they they are the first to like kind of take a piss out of themselves. They're really and they're very supportive. Uh, Tom O'Pennicott, who is also. He was on Battlestar Galactica. He's a really good buddy of mine. He was also on a, a big arc as an angel. I didn't watch all of Supernatural. Anyways, he's on Supernatural with the boys. And Tommo and I did a sci-fi web series in Toronto called Rift World. And Tommo reached out to the guys. They uh, they did a post, Jensen and Jared, which about supporting our little web series. Tom and I were in a press junket. My phone lit up (laughs) like bouncing off the table for almost a month with all the the likes and retweets based off of what they did like i can't believe that's the
1: algorithm that i was telling you about
0: bananas like it's crazy crazy so yeah thanks jared and jensen for the plug
1: and they're listening too right now it's uh, it's 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 a fact that everybody listens to this show um that's Um, not a fact i'm making that up entirely but you know in time hopefully you know everybody will consistency is key so Another question for you, um, if if it all dried up tomorrow and, and you had to move on to something else, could you say you were happy with what you've done with your body or work so far? Yeah,
0: definitely. Yeah. I mean, there's so much more I want to do, but if... Heaven uh, forbid,
1: of course, if it all dried up tomorrow. Yeah.
0: yeah. And if, yeah, and I just, I'm, I'm kind of like a, a, not to be a fatalist, but a realist. Like if, if, if I get smoked by a bus tomorrow, I just really have to, I will not regret not having followed my dreams or traveled or like, you know, dated a bunch of different kinds of people, had different friends. Like I just think no regrets, even though that's the whole premise of being Erica. I just, I would not have regrets about, yeah, it would be, it would be enough. It would be enough.
1: That's amazing. Cause you do have a future. If you do leave acting, you do have a future in coaching. I can certainly say that. And that, that, that's not like, that's not like me being sweet. That's like, you know, you can absolutely capitalize on, your name, and you can absolutely capitalize on the fact that you have a message. There are people out there that share that work, that create, that connect, um, and they're real, you know. And then there are people out there that are just going through the motions. So you would have an audience because you have that inside you to push out and to create something. So if it if you probably have never even given it two thoughts, but you're already. Uh, into, the, into your health and into, into promoting yourself, your self-worth. You're into, uh, you know, dabbling with no more alcohol. You're probably going to go that way for the rest of your life. You're already checking out what's out there, what's next, what's coming. You know, you're, you're spiritually aligned with, with help. You're spiritually aligned with creating something and, and lifting somebody up and making more of something. Even before you were aware of it, you were easily doing it in, in make-believe. You act to entertain. Right. So you're yeah. giving something immediately. You're giving something of yourself back. I'm sure you had to, you know, everybody wants to say sign, sign away your soul, but I don't know if you're big enough to have had to sign your soul away to the, to the devil for this whole acting career, but that you know, you're giving, you're giving already. So, you know, if you decide you don't want to be in front of the camera anymore and you do decide you want to take up the mantle of, of helping other people face to face one-on-one there's a lot, uh, a lot of uh, positive influence that you would be able to create. Um, so, I mean, even if it did, like I said, even if it did wrap up, you know, if you, if you drive okay. up tomorrow, even if you wanted to dabble in both worlds, you would have a complete and wide open future in, oh, in
0: well, like you said, I've never, like, you've probably never given it two bits of thought because I, for me, and thank you. Thank you. By the way, I feel like all the teaching stuff, I'm still very much learning. You have so to. I, Feel like and the things that I post, like I think we were saying this before. It's not like I post it and I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I'm teaching this and I got this. I'm like posting because I'm like, oh shit, right, oh right, like
1: because you're experiencing it,
0: you're experiencing it, and like constantly learning, evolving. The one thing I will say about acting is like it's a hundred percent. When people watch something that I do, if I can be a part of storytelling where they feel inspired or sometimes it's just escapism or sometimes it makes them so inspired that they go out and find their biological father or it helps them get over the death or mourn the death of their brother like those were a lot of the themes that people feedback i had from being erica and i just feel it makes me feel so good because a it's what i love doing b i think it's what i'm here and meant to do and c to be able to like help other people through it it just makes you feel very confident that that is still what I want to do. So I hope I'm not washed up. Hope I'm not washed up. Oh.
1: No, I, I and, and I'm not putting that juju on you at all. I'm not implying that you're washed up. I'm not implying that you're done. I mean, you, as far as I'm concerned, and as far as I'm concerned, actually, you're probably just getting started.
0: <laughs> my agents call you. Is it over? No, I'm just
1: joking. yeah. No, I. Uh, <laughs> by the way, yeah. An interesting thing about, you know, going into a, a sober mentality as well is you're going to get better at everything. So your entire life has been this up until now. And then when you start making these clarities and when you start making these uh, realizations and these actualizations, things get better. So it's, it's fascinating to say like you've had an entire career, 20 years you've been doing this. And we just said uh, one, one, one end of the spectrum is if it dried up tomorrow, would you be happy? Mm-hmm. But the other end of that spectrum is also, six months from now, you're going to have a much clearer mindset with regards to the alcohol. It's amazing how much that really screws you up and, and how you live in a cloud and live in a fog. And you can have the best intentions. You can be the purest of, of person, you know, but life changes when you let go of that poison.
0: Totally.
1: So you could be entering into the next 20 years of your career. You could be, you know, the next Angela Lansbury, for example, you could, there's, there's, there's possibly a role out there that is going to be like your, you know, uh, I don't know. I mean, British murder mystery check, you know, something that, that will captivate an entirely new audience, you know, um, because you're going to have more experience, more clarity, more, this, more, that more everything. Um, And the more credibility you have with yourself, when you talk about I'm posting these things as I'm living them and I don't have the ability to teach them. We're all like that. It reminds me, and I've said this a thousand times on the show, that episode of the Simpsons where they needed extra money. And Marge says, I'll teach the kids piano. And Homer says, you don't know piano. She says, I'll just stay two lessons ahead of the kids I'm teaching. So, you know, that's that's how we're all going through life. You know, right now you talk about where you are and what you're doing and how you're achieving and how, you know, there could be more, you could understand more, you could see more. Every single person on this planet, when you said, I feel like I'm rambling here, there were a ton of people taking notes. There were a ton of people criticizing me going, what are you doing with proper celebrities on your show? I thought you were anti everything, you know? So I'm going to get some fan mail for that for sure. Um, But the the, the truth is I know, I know a decent amount of quote unquote celebrities. I know a decent amount of quote unquote conspiracy theorists. Mm -hmm. I know a decent amount of everything. And the more I walk into the entire world with an open mind, And the more you understand that there is literally nothing we know for sure, Mm -hmm. you can, you can create, yeah, you can create and everything changes with new information, your entire world can change. So I think it's fun right now as we sit here and, you know, your life, your the biggest change in your life right now is, is you've removed yourself from the cloud of of poison. And it's not a good thing. It's not a bad thing. Back to your soapbox. I'm not currently standing on a soapbox as we're having this conversation. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm just saying that these are the realities. This is what's coming, right? And with your purity, with the way you present and with the way you carry yourself, you can only go up because you're not trying to step on anyone to get to where you're going. You're happily moving forward and higher and up in a personal propellant state of mind. I'm going to lift myself up and I'm going to pick people up as I go. And that's that's why you and I are on the phone right now. This is why you and I are on the show because that energy comes through so clear, clear as day. And, you know, it's so neat. Like you said, it's so neat to, to, for you to be able to say, you know, I helped people with this or people saw this and chose to accept my help or they chose to accept me as their message or or they amalgamated this part of, of what I was doing with what they needed to see and what they needed to hear. Everybody will hear something, right? Just like you've, you've probably got a ton of fan mail saying, thank you, thank you, thank you. And you've probably got a ton of fan mail that's just downright disgusting, right? There are two sides to the, of, t- two sides to society. Mm -hmm. And the harder you push, the harder you push on the positive side, on the side of light, the more, you know, you, you, a, you inter you interact with the darkness, but you also interact with the light. The more you put yourself out there, the more people feel they have the opinion or they have the right to say something about you, or if you agree with or disagree with sort of how they choose to live their life. So I'm going to get hate mail for saying, don't drink. They're going to say, you don't know me. I'm going to say, buddy, you're the one that took it personally. I wasn't talking to you directly. Right. It's how you chose to take it. So, yeah. you know, it's, it it is neat. I mean, you have this, you have this career and you have this life that, that, you know, that the, the, so many people want and, and how we, how we choose to live it, how we, what we choose to do with it, what we choose to, what message we choose to share and how we choose to live our life based on it. I mean, it's such a fantastic story to, to, to say, and like you said, everybody's got a television. So everybody's got this thing in their house, that is showing them stories, showing them lies. If you want to call them that showing them fabrication, showing them entertainment, showing them this, showing them news, showing them. And what we choose to take from it. One of the greatest things I ever heard was there is no two versions of you anywhere. The the person you have inside your mind, the person you're defending inside your mind as to who you are is not the same person that your mother sees or that your brother sees or that the person you cut off in traffic sees or that the, you know, any person like your pastor sees they've all created a version of you inside their mind based on their life story, based on Mm -hmm. their essence. Mm -hmm. So when you, if you do want to, please let me help. If you do, if you do want to get out there and coach and teach and help and inspire other people to create, I'd love to help you with that or to at least be a part of it or to at least invite you back to, to, to help some people in, you know, in the aspects that we're doing.
0: I'd love to come back. Absolutely.
1: The, uh, the the fun fact too, the, the the sobriety coach in which we were talking about, he's out in Costa Rica right now. And we're, we've talked about putting together a a full on retreat. So, you know, a two week retreat where we come, we, then he's got all, he's been doing it for years, but um, you know, we can hit the marketing properly and we get everybody to come out there for two weeks and we do this whole thing. And that'd be a fun thing. If you were available to tie into that and get you down there for a week or two weeks or whatever, and work with the people and help and just be a part and share your story I mean, all these small little things are kismet. They all come together, and it's yeah, absolutely Costa
0: Rica. Hello, <laughs> right? It's. Yeah.
1: I mean, it's beautiful. I'm sitting here right now in Toronto, and it's what is it? It's minus two. We actually haven't had much of a bad winter up here, but you're in LA. What's the temperature over there right now?
0: Uh, it's usually. Let me just see. I know in Jasper it was at minus forty-five last week. There was a cold snap, and yeah, bad news bears. Here it's probably it's probably twenty. Oh, that's nice at bit, west of, yeah. 14. We're 14 right now, so a little bit. And I and I'm. It's very refreshing to hear degrees Celsius because people make fun of me here because I still have my like, kilometers and degrees Celsius. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, in Canada, at the time, it, the distance is is measured in time. It's about 20 minutes up the road. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Oh, a thousand percent.
1: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's not kilometers or or, or miles. You yeah, have 40 miles up the road. Not nah, about 20 minutes, 30 minutes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, about a, it's about a bag of ketchup chips up the road. No problem.
0: Oh, ketchup
1: chips. And you, is that true that they're not, they still aren't for sale in the States, ketchup chips?
0: No ketchup chips, no Smarties, no hickory sticks and no cheesies. So I make sure to partake when I'm back in Canada. <laughs> I really, I don't eat a lot of processed stuff, but I will at Christmas I had a bag or five of cheesies. Cheesies and um and AW. I really like AW. And it's delicious.
1: And- I actually I, I fell in love with your story. Um while you were by for Christmas. I, I couldn't get enough of it. You had that skating rink out in the mountains.
0: Uh, oh God, Adam, it's just like and people would People were, people were like, are you in a Hallmark movie right now? And I go home for three and a half weeks. And some of my friends are like, you go home with your family for three and a half weeks, I would lose my mind. But it, <laughs> I go, I've, I've, I'm, I'm very, a lot of my spirituality comes from being in nature. And I think, you know, I was born and raised in the mountains in a very, very small town on Bear Hill. Uh, very lucky and grateful. Like all the postcards of Canada between Jasper and Banff, those are the ones with the Rockies and the glacial fed lakes and the moose and the bear. And so when I go home, I, I try to go back for and I'm very lucky with my profession. The industry really shuts down mid-December to almost the beginning of February. So I can afford to, if I'm not shooting something, go home and spend that time with my family. And also like there were days where I got a pair of secondhand skates. I used to play hockey, so I wear the boys skates don't know what happened to my old ones but um I got a pair of skates and there were days where I would go out and have an entire either lake in that or pyramid lake entirely to myself with these mountains around and they have like a whole um like a kilometer around a loop and just being out there listening to music put my toque on and rip around it's so invigorating and grounding and it's the best. I love coming home. I love all parts of Canada. Muskoka in Toronto in the summer. Jasper any time of the year for me. Saskatchewan at our cabin in the summer times. Like I just, uh, I really, really, really love
1: well, it. Well, here's a, here's a standing invitation then. My cottage is in Muskoka. So if, if you find yourself in the area in the summer, you're more than welcome to pop through.
0: Oh, well, thank you on that. Absolutely. There you
1: go. Yeah, we're just, we're just uh, north of the Muskoka boundary. So we're just about 20 minutes south of Parry Sound right uh, on you've probably heard of Osler Lake a few of your Hollywood cronies have places on Osler
0: Lake I have heard of that Perry Sound we shot a lot there too we shot Slasher there and Sudbury and Perry Sound that's where we shot Slasher
1: when, did you, when was Slasher
0: Slasher that was season one season three was shot in Hamilton I wasn't in season two season one so we're 2012 so 2017 I think I was up there
1: That makes sense because they had just shut down the school, okay, and turned it into a set.
0: Oh, oh, in Hamilton.
1: No, in uh, Perry Sound.
0: Perry Sound. Okay, okay, all over the
1: map. All over. Nobody goes to Hamilton.
0: (laughs) (laughs) The the film crews do because there's yeah cheaper to shoot there. Yeah.
1: No, it's true. It's funny when you see that stuff because I mean, like Hamilton, you hear like Hamilton is just it's one of those like it's like the dirty cousin of, of Toronto, and then. When you go over there and you're on the mountain in Hamilton, you're just sort of looking over everything. You're like, wow, this place is bloody remarkable. Some of those houses on the mountain, I don't know who they had to kill to get that kind of money, but those places are absolutely stunning.
0: And it's getting really gentrified. Like a lot of people are moving from Toronto there because it's more affordable. And there's definitely their seedier sides that, that of Hamilton, but then there's the beautiful place, and they, that huge devil's hole, devil's something, uh, it's okay. a, it's a walk there on uh, my days off. I would always bomb around and kind of do the, the do you have any yoga. shooting in Canada anytime soon? Uh, uh, I think March in Toronto, potentially for season three of Holly hobby, but not confirmed yet. So maybe i will been in trouble for saying that.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, anyone listening that can get her in trouble. Don't listen. Just ignore that earmuffs. All
0: right.
1: Um, you know, there's probably a million things that I that I would love to ask you, but I, I can't think of them right now. I mean, you've been such a phenomenal guest. A funny thing, uh, because you're an actor, obviously, or because you've done this, this these tourniquet things. Where, you know, I don't, is this the longest interview you've ever been on? An hour and a half? I think we're going on here. Oh no! It's not.
0: I think it beat out Adams. Yeah, it, it was on Adam McDonald, who is um, director, uh, actor slash friend, uh, and I think that we just beat him. It's a long time. for yeah. this. You're doing
1: good. My, my longest my longest podcast was with, uh, was with a fella, um, and it was about the flat earth. And that was just shy of three hours. And we talked about absolutely everything. And it's so amazing when we talk about conspiracies and when we talk about um, things that are outside of the norm uh, or anything that's, you know, not mainstream, for example, people just, you know, their ears close, the audacity, you know you see all, you see all this hate. And, oh, you, how stupid are you? And this, that, and the other thing. But then when you just start talking open-mindedly about any topic, you're just like a lot of it makes sense. You know, a lot of it, you know, you see all these, I mean, I don't have an opinion one way or the other um, on a lot of topics. I just like to talk about them. I like to broach them. One of the other guys that I really liked and he was almost as long, he was two hours was Brian Staveley, And this guy is a Mandela effect master did you, oh. ca- did you catch that podcast at all?
0: I have not. I, no. That's what I haven't gotten. No.
1: Are you familiar with the Mandela effect?
0: Uh, not really. I mean, you could elaborate on it for me.
1: Okay. So, do you remember the Berenstein Bears, the, the book? Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's no longer the Berenstein Bears. It's now the Berenstein Bears. And it's always been the Berenstein Bears.
0: Okay.
1: So, an interesting thing, too, without turning around, because you currently have a map behind you.
0: I do.
1: Right. Do you remember? If you were looking at the map behind you, don't look at the map. If you were looking at them, don't look at the map. If you were looking at the map behind you, don't look at it. <laughs> where like, is where is New Zealand with regards to Australia?
0: New Zealand is South. East?
1: So bottom right, is that what you're saying?
0: Yes. I'm gonna say yes.
1: Okay. And south where America. is where is South America in comparison to North America?
0: Same. South America is south, Southeast. I mean, it's down Southeast. Okay.
1: So an interesting thing is... Uh, I
0: don't really sound like a tool. I don't know. I would no, say so.
1: No, you're right. You're completely right. If you turn around, that's exactly where the continents are. Okay. Right. But f- from where, where I come from, and from the Mandela effect that, that hit me, the uh, New Zealand used to be uh, north. So, so for, with regards to Australia, it was top to the right, upper right. Always. Huh always 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 the panama canal always ran east to west and now it runs north to south right but you're saying you remember it being and you also remember the other thing being bottom right as well south america yeah there's a ton of other ones like um, there's other ones that would affect you um like the kennedy assassination do you remember any footage of the kennedy assassination
0: yes okay. yeah yeah yeah
1: okay so in the car were there yeah. six were there six people in the car or were there four like, do you remember four? Do you do you remember the car being a Jackie, limousine,
0: including Jackie or not?
1: So, do you in the car? I remember Kennedy, Jackie, uh, yeah. dr- driver and uh, bodyguard.
0: I would say yes. I mean, I haven't seen footage recently, but
1: so that that that's wrong too because that is now they are there's six seats. It's a limo, so there's actually there's a seat between Kennedy and the driver. Okay, in the limousine, and it's always been like that. Uh, also the footage that we remember the shaky camera footage do you remember you remember seeing clips obviously we've always seen the clips of the shaky camera footage from the grassy knoll Uh the lady lady that shot the footage that now was shot in color and was always shot in color it was never in black and white she shot it in color
0: so this is stuff that's just the mandela effect is what it's disproving what we know it's what uh cognitive
1: cognitive reality um Another prime example. Do you know what island the Statue of Liberty is on?
0: Staten Island?
1: Mm. No,
0: it's on. Don't see. Now I'm going to sound like a big.
1: No, no, no. It's it's okay. Cause it, yeah. it, everybody's what? different. Where I come from, it was on Ellis Island. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But it's not, it's on Liberty Island. It's just outside of New Jersey now. It's no longer in New York.
0: I ran them. I run the friggin' um, New York Marathon, and I went through all the boroughs. And if you ask me to go through it, I'm like a memory like a sieve. Give me 10 pages of dialogue, I will rock your world. Give me a telephone number, the name of a restaurant, or something geographical. And I'm like, what? Uh,
1: have you ever heard of Black Tom, the Black Tom explosions? No. So the Black Tom explosions are what basically took out New Jersey and caused the rebuild of the Statue of Liberty and uh, prevented anyone from ever having gone into the torch as part of the thing. Okay. In my reality, that never happened. That was never, Black, Black Tom was never talked about in school, was never taught. The Statue of Liberty was never rebuilt. Um, nothing ever happened. So in my reality, the biggest attack on New York was 9-11. But in this reality, the biggest attack on New York was Black Tom. And it's everywhere.
0: Okay. I'm with you on the 9-11 thing. Black Tom is, I don't. Yeah. So
1: if you talk to kids about Black Tom, or if you talk to some people about about Black Tom, they're like, Yes, that they taught us that. That's one of the first things we learned in school. The explosions of New York. Huh. Right. So that's the Mandela effect. There's a ton, a ton, a ton of them. You'll you'll get a kick out of the episode and it's certainly fun okay. to look into. I'm
0: definitely uh tune in about.
1: I think that was episode sixty-five. But that and that's that's the kind of stuff that, you know, we talk about open mindedly, you know. And you That's why when you break down the the energies of of what we're doing, what's important to us, how we think we're supposed to be, this stems from anxiety and depression. We're depressed because of certain things. We have anxiety because of certain things, certain things that we believe and that sort of stuff. And that's why I predominantly promote the conspiracy theories. Because if you're able to think for yourself, if you're able to look into things for yourself, you really see it. You can really see that I'm only depressed based on the information that I have. And if that information changes, my depression goes away. One of the greatest things I ever heard was the only difference between excitement and anxiety is fear.
0: Hmm. Yeah. You- yeah, I I totally believe that. If you if you're out of your mind, anxious about a audition, for example, if you can switch that into excitement of being like, I cannot wait to get in the room and play this character, do this character justice. Mm-hmm. It'll take away the fear of like. They're gonna think I'm fat or I'm bad or I'm whatever. It's mm. it's a mind shift. Totally. Yeah. That's the
1: stuff that's the stuff that kills it. And and I would assume on the on the acting side of things, if you're being cast with a bunch of people and there's some people that are totally comfortable with it, they'll 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 produce the character better. The people picking the character will be like, I like this person more. As opposed to somebody who's all wicked nervous and they, they screw up, right?
0: Oh definitely. And 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 I was gonna like just flip up because you did say Not you don't step on other people to get forward, and you and when you said that there's well, I'm just gonna put it in my words is what I realized in acting is that there is only one Adam in the world, there's only you, Adam, there's only one me, Aaron. And when it comes to acting, a huge, huge, big relief for me is was knowing that took away like a lot of the anxiety or fear or competition of the audition process is like Meryl Streep for goodness sake could not do what I do because there's only me only I can do what I do so as long as I continue to do my best interpretation of the character when I go into a room and Meryl's gonna do I certainly can't do what Meryl's doing but we're gonna go into a room and we're gonna be in front of the cast directors and the producers and the director and as long as I don't shit the bed and do my best interpretation of this character, do the the character diligence in the way that I have, with the decisions that I've made, and be malleable and, and open to whatever direction that they might have for me, then that's all I can do. And I can proudly walk out of the room with my head held high, knowing that I did everything that I could. And then you have to kind of not, even though you have to make a living doing this, you have to walk away and be like, I'm going into the audition, not being like, I need this part. I need this part. I want this part because that desperation just sits on you like stank going in the room and people will read that. And so just something that I've learned throughout the years is like, I can be going in opposite whoever and know that they're never going to be able to do what I do. So I can go in and confidently, you know, do my best. And then it's really up to the powers that be in the room to be like, you know what? We want this flavor. We want a Merrill. We want a, a Tatiana Mulzane. We want a Sarah Gaddin, We want a, you know, those are all phenomenal actresses, but it's just like, what is right for that part? So once I, once I realized. Sp- that, speaking
1: of Sarah Gaden,
0: A lot of heat off of what <laughs> I did. Yeah, Sarah, love Sarah. Uh,
1: no, what you were saying, two things actually you brought, you brought it, I, re- I really wanted to touch on. Um, mm-hmm. You should never want to be anything else. I mean, uh, some of the stuff that I've seen you in, like. When you were younger, especially um, especially Eve's Christmas, <laughs> my my takeaway from Eve's Christmas was they fucked up the casting. Uh, oh, that's one f word, so I can actually still not have an explicit on this as long as we don't say another one. Um, uh, they messed up the casting, and you should have been the lead in that because the the person that played like like granted you nailed the best friend like you you had the back when you were younger, you had this great I'm the best friend supporting role. Like I, I'm super happy and super bubbly, yeah. but in that one, you should have been the lead. You should have been the one that uh, I think you went back in time or she went back in time. You, you traveled with her back
0: in time. Yeah. Something like that. Something. Yeah. It
1: was daft. But when you see stuff like that, I mean, it's funny because your character and the position in this, and the spots that I've seen you in you, because you, I guess you was as the entity that is you. I mean, Jim Carrey said, who am I anymore? I, I've lost touch of, with who I am because I've acted so much and I've been in so many roles and he's constantly different and constantly diverse. Um, but every single person holds on to a piece of themselves throughout the movies. Now, there are people that will never change role. Jason Statham is the same in everything and he's great. I've had people... People yeah. have said like, Oh, I went to see whatever this Jason Statham movie and it wasn't that great. It's like, what the hell is wrong with you? Like, what did you expect? It's yeah. Jason Statham. It's a Jason Statham movie. Shit's going to explode. That's that. Yeah. But for you, you, you're again, not blown smoke, but your essence and your energy carries. So it must be hard for you to walk into a role and you, and you must, there must've been times where you're like, I don't even want to do this role. I, I think I'm going to back out. Or if I don't get it, I don't give a shit type of thing.
0: I mean, there's definitely some roles that you you want more than others. And, and I'm lucky I'm at a place now where if something is not gonna really, you know, excite me then, and I don't have to do it for security reasons, then, then I'll, I will say no. There's, there's five things to look at for me in getting a job. Not going to beat around the bush. It's not number one, but it's definitely you know financially. Is this going to be? Because sometimes you can do a wonderful project and it pays nothing, and you and that doesn't matter. But so things to consider: money, the character, the story that it's telling, the people that are involved with it, and where it shoots. Those are the five mandated things that I I want to try to hit three out of five of those. I thought so, you were going to
1: throw I thought you were going to throw nudity in there at one point, like no on screen nakedness.
0: Uh, well, if it's if it's if it's justified in there, why not? I mean, I, I mean, it really, 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 really would depend on. I mean, I mean, Jodie Foster in the accused—that's justifiable nudity. Halle Berry in the one with John Travolta, where she showed her knockers for money—not, but good for her for making the money. Like anyway, yeah. um, but for me, so if it's like if I get to go to Scotland. I went to a movie, I went to Scotland. I worked uh, with Donald Logue on a comedy. So the story was really funny, and I'd never done something, and it was also an opportunity to do a film that would do the film festival junket, not just you know, television, which I do love television. So those were three things. Did it pay well? No. Um, was my character
1: Well, I bet you it paid better than this interview. Pardon <laughs> me? I said, I bet you it paid better than this one.
0: <laughs> yeah, speaking of <laughs> Talk. we haven't gone there yet oh damn so if there's if it's gonna hit off a couple of boxer like i did a movie not to name drop but here we go sam Jackson. i did a movie with sam jackson in winnipeg i think i was second choice i think that they wanted um
1: was that gina gina no i'm,
0: I'm sorry who i was thinking who's the girl that's on the corner she's gorgeous she was originally up for it and then she had to pass because she was on graceland which i also auditioned for that she got before me and i auditioned for the corner which she's now she's lovely anyways um, but I ended up getting it secondhand through her because she couldn't do it. And it was with Sam Jackson shot in Winnipeg in the winter, paid nothing. But I remember that the people that I was working with, like there was certain, there was certain criteria where I was like, yes, I'm absolutely going to do this job. What and was so the movie? Sometimes you do it for no money. Oh, it but doesn't matter. I don't want to get it. The phenomenal or the story is great or the, or the blah, blah, blah. So those are all kind of.
1: So. <sighs> Specifically Canadian. um, Do we have to get a petition signed, or you know, ten thousand names to get you onto letter, Kenny? Is that can we do that?
0: (laughs) Seriously. And you know what's crazy is Jared Kiso is like he's an acquaintance. Him and I would help each other put each other on tape back in the day, and we have the same manager. And I've been saying to years for Trina and Mark Montefiore, the producer, and I are friends. And I keep saying like I'm from. I grew up playing hockey. Yeah. I anyways uh, yeah
1: I would love that I'm I'm getting I'm getting it's not a GoFundMe what do they call the other one where you have to sign stuff
0: Um, yeah I don't want people to to do too much work maybe I'll just reach out to to Jared
1: I think I think you would be if they threw in there and then you went ultra Canadian accent I think that'd be a blast I think that'd be so good on your on your on your script I'd also like to see you said you did you said you did slasher yeah This isn't supposed to be a a what's what and a who's who of your acting career, but this is kind of what it's devolved into. Like, I'm, I don't know. I'm enjoying it for sure, but I'd love to see you do like, uh, like uh, the scary, like the, the scream queen thing. Have you done that? Is that, were you part of that in slasher? Or was that like, how did that work for you?
0: Definitely? Yes. Yes. I mean, I was. In season one, I'm kind of like the log lady from twin peaks. Very. The character description this is my executive producer of Being Erica, Aaron Martin, who I love to bits and pieces. Um, right after Being Erica, he started this series for Netflix called Slasher. And, he, and my agent, Trina, called me and said, Hey, Aaron wants to offer you this part on this new show, Slasher. And I was like, Ooh, what is it? And she said, Well, it's a part of Heather Peterson, once pretty, now crazed and haggard. And I was Perfect. like, What? <laughs> I'm being big Erica. I wore little wrap dresses and heels. Anyways, I I love that he gave me the opportunity to play something that I told I would never get cast as in a middle million years. She, her daughter is abducted, kidnapped. Her husband is accused of it, kills himself. I go into a crazy, depressive state where I become a hoarder and then the local town, crazy person, log lady that mutters to herself that raves. So it was just like, you know, and when we shot, I was training for a marathon back when I was in shape and like, I would go out for a run and like kind of not wash my hair. I was clean, but like play the character really, really tried to get into like, I'm not a method actor, but I really tried with this one because I wanted to do justice for the character. Um, I was really nervous because I, I really respect Aaron Martin and wanted to, to do a good job and he gave me this opportunity so that was really different and then slashers like an anthology is that what it's called like um uh, American Horror Story where it's they use the same cast but it's a different scenario like a okay. different setup every season so I wasn't in season two but I was in season three which shot in Hamilton uh, and I play a teacher in it and I can't I don't want to give it away I mean don't. I don't I, I don't. I'll watch season one. I'm I'm interested in season one. The rest of the people could beat it. Yeah. And then season three, I definitely. If you want gore, check out episode four. I think, and you cool. can see what happens. <laughs> Yeah,
1: no, I, because you are, you do play the same in, in a bunch of your stuff. And I, it's not like I went and, and hunted you down. I just, I mean, the things that I remember you and and you, you got uh, Pepper Pepper Lady, 9, yeah. 9, 91D1 Pepper Lady. You were on screen for all of maybe two minutes, but you portrayed crazy real well. <laughs> Thank
0: you. I did the addition in the cast. director actually looked at me like I was crazy. And I was like, was that too much? And like, <laughs> no. And I got the parts. So I was like, "Woo, i do crazy.
1: Yeah. No, that's fun. And that, see, that's why, you know, again, wow. to, to tie it back into sort of what, you know, why, why we're having this conversation. These are the things that you're sharing your stories right now. And these are the things that people that are, that want to act or that want to sort of dabble with something that don't know where to go, who to talk to, how to act. Like, how do I get in touch with a yeah. so-and-so or this or that? Like, there's just, there's so many questions that so many people have that they wouldn't, like the stuff that you just sort of do, they would, you know, they, they don't.
0: For sure. Where to do get started
1: where to get started, how to get started, what, what to want to do. And, you know, getting started was the arc, which is kind of why we're here and why this is working. Um, getting you involved in coaching. I, I want to make it, I think you and I have become friends. This is a possibility right here. And uh, I like that. I'd love to see you uh, inspire a room or I'd love to see you inspire not even like a real room, like a digital room or, or a group or a collection of people to elevate their own game. Um, you know, the influence, again, you've got the influence of, of, you know, this is what I've done. So you could trick them into the guise of acting coach type of thing. If you don't believe in yourself, but you know, you have, you have the essence you have, you have what it takes. It's so cool to talk to somebody who's got this job that they love doing. That's inspiring people. That's, that's getting to play dress up and to play and to do all this stuff and to test the, you know, the boundaries. It's funny because when people come on this show, you know, I do, well, before you and I recorded, I was, you know, sort of giving you the rundown of how we do it and, and what goes on. And then 99% of the people will talk to me plain as day in that session. And then as soon as I say, okay, I'm going to do the record and then I'm going to do the intro. Then they turn into like, uh, I don't know what to do with my hands. You know, like they, they, right, right. when it's recording and nothing's changed. Cause right now, right now you and I aren't even live. Like it's just, it's going to get, Edited and all that sort of stuff. I'm going to put all all the bits together, and then we're gonna we're gonna go up. So right now it's just you and me talking. But people, most people that do this show and that guests on the show, are nervous when I say we're okay. Now we're live. You know, they don't they don't they don't know what to do. And it's funny because I'm like, just act like yourself. I don't. People don't know how to quote unquote act like themselves, which I think is
0: for 20 years. Like when with the camera hits and you gotta just be. I mean, I I definitely have a lot of experience, and not to say that I don't get uh gun shy sometimes first first day on a new set especially in a show that's already running i always have a little bit of first day jitters for sure but this and you also you also create an environment where it, it i i feel comfortable and at ease so it's you make it very easy too
1: oh fun thank you Yeah. And, and because the show is weird, because if you listen to the show and and like, if you, if you binge this show, I mean, we talk about everything Uh Um, and it hasn't even found its market. It hasn't even found its groove. Um, And what I mean by that is the audience is there, the people are there. And I absolutely love every single one of you listening right now, because most of you connect with me. Most of you talk to me and I like that. Um, I do my best to get back to everybody, but yeah, I mean, I want, you know, one of my friends uh, is Les Emerson. He's the lead singer of five Man electrical band. Mm -hmm. a great Canadian band from the 70s. And when I was a kid, I met him at a bar. Uh, When I say when I was a kid, I was a kid, I was like 18 or whatever. And he would tell all these stories. I've got to get him on the show, but he's impossible to get a hold of because he's like 80 some odd. He he doesn't cell phone, right? But it's funny. It's it's funny because like, you know, when you talk about sort of what you want to do and, and where you want to go, like, I want to talk about conspiracies i want to talk about sobriety i want to talk about motivating yourself i want to talk about getting going i want to talk about you know all this great stuff and there are so many avenues like people are going to people like your fans are going to look up your name and they're going to see this eventually it's going to hit the the google algorithm and it's going to see that you were on this show your fans are going to be introduced to this you probably have introduced me to one or two other people and been like, check this guy out. He's got some fun things to say.
0: Absolutely. Well, I've been posting all the ones you said, like on my Instagram, I started, I was I a total to grab. I'll give you credit all the time, but I grab. I've creeped you. I stole your stuff. I popped it up.
1: <laughs> well, that's, that's how it, that's how it, uh, that's how it works i'm actually going to talk to a few of the other guys and get them to direct traffic your way as well um but that again ladies and gentlemen if you're talking about instagram if you want to become instagram famous or whatever for whatever reason you want that um be congruent with your message and stick to it be dedicated be true to yourself and don't be bullshit and you'll you know you with done properly and with done all that sort of stuff you'll be able to grow an audience as long as you've got something positive and proper to say if you just want people to look at your face. How many times I've seen so many Instagrams where it's literally just a hundred percent pictures of the person's face. I'm like, this is terrible.
0: <laughs> but sometimes you have to look at the, like, uh, so I, when Instagram first came out, I think it was, I was just doing being Erica and my girlfriend who works on the show with me. She's like, Aaron, you need to get on social media right now. She's like, I just lost a part and no offense to Haley Duff, but she's like, I just lost a part to Haley Duff, not Hillary Duff. But Haley, because she's got 150,000 followers on this thing called Instagram. So then I was like, ah, and it's kind of like, if you can't beat them, join them. And with my profession, you do have to, to a certain degree, because a lot of times now, like producers, um, networks will be like, well, are we going to hire you know, Joanne, who's got 150,000 followers, or Aaron, who's got 14,000 followers? We're going to hire Joanne if, we're, if we like them both from the same to the part, because Joanne's going to have that ability to reach out. So that is a reality. And then I guess based on what your brand is for Instagram, uh, a lot of the girls and a lot of like fitness models and stuff that have, you know, they, they, they're not, they were not famous. They were not on television. They were not, but they created this brand that now has like up to millions of followers and all their posts are of them doing poses. It's about their body. It's about their face. It's about a beauty product. It's about this or this and that. And like, sometimes it's a lot. I don't think that I could ever, for me, I would feel uncomfortable posting just my face all the time. I'm also not like, I'm not a supermodel. I'm very content and happy with the way that I look. And I love that you can't see lights on the Instagram anymore. My friends still can for some reason, but I, I don't see like, but I do know maybe you can help me with algorithm is like, if I post a photo of, Uh, like a being Erica flashback or like a photo of me on a red carpet, I like, I get tons of likes. And then if I post a picture of, I don't know, like an animal, I love animals. I love animal charities or, you know, an inspirational quote here. I sometimes don't get as many. So I'm like, well, here's here's... shit about me all the time. But if that's what people want, what is your take on that?
1: My take on that is uh, it's like, First of all, you need the blue check. You need to put the blue check beside your name because um, that will give you instant credibility uh, yeah. <laughs> with, with regards to the algorithm. Uh, and it's not hard to do. Um, it, secondly, I'm surprised you don't have a social media manager, which makes you amazing. Right? What I mean Just- by that is, is no, there's, you know, there's a ton of people out there that like Chris Hemsworth, for example, Thor, he has Instagram on his phone and he just randomly goes through it and and checks it out. But his Instagram is also run from another phone. His team is doing all of his stuff. And every now and again, he'll post something of his own, but he's got a whole team dedicated to sitting around his phone and being like, "Uh, let's dick with the algorithm. Right. And like, that's 90%. And I say Chris Hemsworth specifically, you talked about name dropping. Uh, My friend, um, Tone, Tony, uh, over a change of perception, he's, they've connected with that. He's one of the followers, Savari and a few of the other, you know, just a ton of people that, that really like that message. So when you get to connect with these people and you get to talk about sort of what they're doing, it's very few people that have the thing, like Haley, Hillary, Haley Duff, one of the <laughs> Duff sisters.
0: Yeah, I didn't mean any offense yeah, to them. Yeah,
1: no, of course. Now younger, by the way, what a great show, you know, Hillary Duff. Good for you. You got a, you know, resurgence. You're hilarious all of a sudden. Um, what I remember when she was dating Mike Comrie, funny story, Mike Comrie up in Ottawa, when I was working the clubs, I was a bouncer and promoter at a lot of the clubs, her and, uh, geez, I don't remember the other girl's name. They'd always be, and if, if she's not like she's listening to this right now, but I remember that night in the cabin. Yeah, you do too. Anyway. Um, so it's funny because those people, you know, when, when you say is my, Is the cabin's a bar? It's not an actual cabin. Oh,
0: okay, okay. I was like, "Where's
1: the Great Canadian Cabin?" It was a great bar in Ottawa for a long time. Uh, Kudos to that place. Shut down. Um, I was talking about you worrying about the 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 amount.
0: Algorithm. Chris Hemsworth has people running.
1: Yeah, they have. You're doing it yourself. So in your spare time, you're posting stuff and and connecting with your audience. Mm Um, as opposed to a team of people doing it for you. So where it may seem awkward to you right now that somebody else is going to pick you, like you have, you have an entire career ahead of you. You have all these new roles that will come your way. You don't want me to say it, but you know, like the mom or the, this or the, that, you know, like, like Luke Perry, for example, rest his soul, had a great second career as the dad in a lot of stuff.
0: Oh, I've been moms for a long time.
1: Oh no, I don't know about that. Well, I- <laughs>
0: Holly Hobby. Everyone's like, Oh my God, you're Holly Hobby. And I was, am like, no, I'm the mom. I'm Mrs. Hobby.
1: Oh, Yeah. So there's moms and there's grandmas and there's, and there's all sorts of stuff like that, right? Like there's, there's this whole part of the career. And by the time, you know, five years from now, and I say this to a lot of my clients as well, five years, 10 years from now, you'll have this base, this firm base of, of general knowledge of what you've done um, in in your world, because your world 20 years ago when you started acting was the place, you know, to be on TV, to be seen, to be known, notoriety, popularity, this, that, and the other thing. Like, but now, you know, there is, there's a massive, like everyone is a a celebrity now. Everybody's a star, right? Right. But there's always going to be a place for Hollywood. There's always going to be a place for the true on television, in your face, old school media type place there's so much that's changed like the in, the invention of Instagram, Facebook, everything's interconnected. You know, there was a time, there would have been a time where there's no way in hell I would have been able to get in touch with you, a perfect stranger, a perfect stranger, a thousand
0: percent. A thousand percent. Yeah.
1: you know, and now we sit here, I have a decent following on social media. People like to see what goes on. You are a rock star, uh, the greatest Canadian ever uh, in a certain field. <laughs> so Go ahead. It's, it, it's yeah, and it's like, you know, I want more likes, I want more this, I want more that. But five years from now, when people have fizzled out or when, when fake accounts have, have dried up or when when social media managers are no longer the norm, you're gonna have mm-hmm. this this whole vast amount of experience as to all the stuff that you did that got you up to a hundred thousand, all on your own with your own two thumbs right here this is me holding my thumbs up in front of the camera to everyone that's not looking yeah,
0: yeah. i never there's no about-
1: video here it's just that but you you have you know we only ever all of us as as a, as a collective only ever look at today we don't realize that our hard work and our dedication is creating something for tomorrow you know you have a prime example of your today you have a portfolio you could say here is a bunch of stuff that I want you to look at. If you think you like me for the role, let's go for it. If not, I don't, I'm not here to dance for you, type of thing. You have, you have a, uh, what do they call that? A film role or what have you? Oh, a reel. A reel. Yeah. So you can show, without even being in the room, you can show your chaps, the old acting chaps. It's the same for me. Without me even saying two words, people can take a look at my social media and sort of get an idea of who I am and what I'm all about. Yeah. and that's, you know, these are the changing times. You have this really cool perspective where you've created a social media entity out of being a pure heart individual, um, coupled with uh, toying with the algorithms and, and being uh, air quotes famous, right? So 10 years from now, when when the Hollywood side of things and when the fame side of things is less and less prevalent relevant relevant prevalent that's a lot of words there and the social media and being more yourself part and and all that sort of stuff is 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 more is more important you will have transitioned out of the old ways and into the new ways virtually seamlessly without flaw and with full knowledge of what you did to get to where you are which is pretty cool because also you're just starting phase two of your life which is Drinking free, which is, you know, understanding and comprehending a sense of sobriety, a sense of health, a sense of awareness, a, a grander awareness. You are a part of the, the the global awakening, this 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 thing, this thing, this essence that's taking place right in front of our faces. Um, people can address it, people can see it, some people can, some people can't. People will get left behind.
0: I do, and I feel that it's happening in such like like a a global level, like this, just this shift in the last five years, I'm like, oh, wow. Oh, wow, it, it's happening. Yes. And we've talked about light, light and dark before too. And you said, you know, you, you have to like, uh, back in the day, there was a, my ex-boyfriend, who's always like, you know, you, you can't ha- have experienced all of your highs until you've experienced all of your lows. And my acting teachers always said, you know, uh, life, it's like a Baroque, a Baroque painting. Like there's the, you can't have the light without the dark. And, and I think I love listening to your podcast because you're so real about having to have the dark and the light. And I do love as a society that we're pushing more towards the light, the dark is going to be there, but it's also the way in which we deal with it in our day-to-day lives. And that shift is like, absolutely sobriety has been a huge shift for me. And also, like I said before in this, it takes me a while, it has taken me a while to grow up in life. It took me a while to grow up from Jasper. It took, and then now here I am in Los Angeles, you know, like as an actor, it took a lot of me, my eyes, like I, I'm very sensitive to everything and to try to be like, how do things work here? And And getting, gaining confidence in this and that. And also hitting 40 is just to mention too, because you're not 40 yet. (laughs) thirty nine. but I tell you, you're 40 and something just shifts in me. It's it's something to do with life experience too. Um, uh, I mean, you're incredibly woke. I hate saying that, but you know what I mean? But like, (laughs) it's having, hitting 40, I'm 41 now, is uh, just Really enjoyable because it's very chill, and I'm sure that it has a lot to do with a lot of things, sobriety included. Um, but but and being open to this shift, and and consciously choosing to be a part of that shift that's positive, and proactive, and just to flip around again and again, me a part of me, you know, spiritually wanting to choose a lighter part of life and and consciously make those decisions in which I feel like I'm serving a bigger purpose and other people and feeling connected to other humans and spirits and being aware that you know we're spiritual beings having a human experience as opposed to human beings spiritual I fully 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 believe that and so I always really in the last couple of months, even when you, when you hit someone that you have a lot of conflict with and I'm not what I don't have a lot of it, but like you had mentioned in your podcast about social media about like, if you meet someone in life that is just on the wrong path, that wants to get on the right path, absolutely there to help them out and stuff. But I didn't know how to deal with just people that were really in the wrong path that were very toxic to be around. Toxic and for you. Toxic for me. Cause yes. I was like, person and I have to be open to this and that but what I'm learning to do is that I can definitely have boundaries because I'm hugely empathetic and like can kind of get sucked into whatever energies around me I have to have boundaries and protect myself and 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 like when I'm rolling around Los Angeles with literally you're passing you pass thousands of people a day if you're at the Getty Center whatever to be protective of your protect your energy I want to give everyone the benefit of the doubt but also to know that there's some bad news bears out there I'm I'm, I'm currently dealing with the situation where this neighbor I have is toxic like called the LAPD on him the other day like getting a restraining order toxic Jeez. and I went to a meditation thing the other day and I was trying to like send him love but then a part of me just wants to key his car and I'm like ah like, how do I how do I moderate this and I love how you say online with people online that reach out to you that are not that are negative spewers you just don't engage with because that is a person they're not real they're not
1: well, you, you wouldn't know, you probably don't notice, but you, you can comment on my posts because I'm following you. Um, but I can't. Uh, the people that, people that aren't following me can't comment. Uh, and that stems from, I mean, we have to own our, our demons and our darkness. And before I carry on with this, I know you gave me, we're, we're running to about nine minutes, so I know your uh, time is almost up with our dearest friend, Aaron, our newest, bestest friend. Mm -hmm. Um, the energy that comes from something like there's, there's, I'm not always in the best mood. Somebody doesn't always take what I said, you know, they take, once the words are out of my mouth, they're no longer my words. They go into somebody's ears and that person's story turns what I've said inside their head and spits it back out and puts this evil spin on whatever I've said. They then tell their friend that I said this and their friend does the same thing, anger, anger, evil, their friend, here's the story, their friend, here's the story. And then the crazy nut job at the end of this chain of destruction has keyboard warrior syndrome and they want to, they want to put me on blast and tell me all kinds of horrible things and post all this bullshit on my, you know, on, on my social media because they hear these things. And so I, I cut that off and and two reasons that wasn't something that happened all the time, but I, I I'm born July 2nd, and I am also very in tune with um, the energies of people around me, what they're putting out, what they're saying, how they're feeling. I'm, you know, uh, with regards to internal energy, I've always been in tune with seeing them. And especially now that I've, I've I'm on straight sobriety, like I see things so clearly, it's almost painful. Yeah. Great, um, right? So, what two things have happened from this if you want to connect with me on on like a negative tone you're going to have to put in effort it's not easy for you just to run your mouth now um, so feel free to put in effort and talk shit to me to my face i appreciate that i, I mean good for you you've got the balls to say something mm-hmm. secondarily i carry myself with um, pride with confidence with uh, every single thing that comes out of my mouth is 99% of it is 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 meant with good meant with good intentions but It's all in how we take it. And thirdly, the most important thing that ever came from this was people that wanted to comment or people that wanted my attention or wanted the attention of the Mental Mastery Alliance, they would post stuff constantly. But forcing them to engage with me forced me to reply back. And it blows people's minds that I actually do write back to them or somebody on the team or something. But mostly I will connect with with the majority of people that do mail in because you'll notice that when you put yourself out there, when you actually put yourself out there, Mm-hmm. we think that sometimes, you know, it, it would be insane for me to put my phone number, my live phone number out there. But the only people that actually use it are people that want to use it. You know, there are some, there are some, I'm not recommending putting your live phone number out there, but there are some people that will call you and, and, and really, really need it. If you say only call if it's necessary, only call if it's important, mm-hmm. you know, that I'm not recommending doing it, but I'm just saying it has been done. You know, my direct email, I do reply to my direct email. And then you'll see that people don't take advantage of that. There's a bunch of bullshit that does take place, like the the bots that pull numbers and all that sort of information. Mm -hmm. But I mean, there's, there's a ton of good that comes from it as well. So when they can't make these comments and when they can't say these things online, I'm just talking about online it changes your connectivity to the to the people. For you, when you are out in public and you're feeling these people and you know you're having issues with your neighbor. It isn't your neighbor that is the problem in the sense where, you know, it is him causing this, but you know, how did I get here? Why is he my neighbor? What is the situation that I'm in? What have I neglected? What have I ignored? Why did I end up in a situation where I have to deal with this. I'm a good person. Is this karma? Is this this? Is this that? Like, what have I done? Have I started something? Have I initiated something? Would he just go away? Am I worried? Am I paranoid? Am I focusing on things I don't want? So they come into my life as opposed to focusing on things I do want, which brings them into my life. Mm-hmm. Somebody once said to me that the, the, the ultimate spectrum, I mean, there is no good and evil. <clears throat> and this is, this is one of the things that, that, that is funny because when it comes down to you, you're an actor in Hollywood. And it has been said, and rumor has it, that everybody in Hollywood has sold their soul to the devil, to dece- deceive and manipulate the world. And for the longest time, people, you know, a lot of people believe this. A lot of people that, a lot of people that listen to me will, will believe that. And I, at one point, I thought, you know, it's true. Every single person's involved in some bullshit that we don't know about, that that quote unquote humans don't know about, but the, the people of Hollywood do. Like all the mysterious deaths of 2017, you know, it's just a weird thing. But the there's, there's a ton of stuff going on that we don't know about. <coughs> that is fact. That is absolute fact. That, that Like you said, Being Erica was written for four seasons. So before you even started filming, the plot was carried out. The story was finished before you even started filming. Everybody knew where it was going. And that's what's happening in the world right now. There's this story. The whole world's a stage. And there's this story. And it's carrying out. And everybody's a part of it. That's being delivered to you as a whole. So there's six major players and they're all, they've all got a piece of it and they're all sharing it. And some of us know what we're doing. Some of us know our role. Some of us don't know our role. Some of us are contributing. Some of us aren't. But those that are heavily involved in it and heavily contributing to the story that carries on, you know, the celebrity that people talk about. When I used to think everybody's in on it, they're all in it. They're all, they're all out, you know, to deceive us and to trick us that bothered me until I understood that, you know, there, there's, there's been a time and I'll actually link you. I'll I'll send you the link to the article that I read, which is absolutely fascinating, okay. but it, it says, we're doing it for you. So the evil, those that, you know, work for Satan or however you want to call it, you know, the evil in the world is done to wake people up. There's so much evidence of evil right now in all aspects of everything But it was done and it was carried out by people that are here to help humans, make them realize certain things, make them see certain things. And then the definition of good and evil changes. The definition of right and wrong changes. If I'm poor and I have two kids and I go into your store and you're poor, you've got everything in your store. And if you sell everything, you'll be okay. But if I steal from you, it screws you up and it hurts you. But if I don't steal from you, my kids starve. Which one of us is the bad guy? You know, it's a scenario and it's a situation that we're in. So good and evil, right and wrong, uh, God and Satan, all of it is subjective to how you're living, where you're living, what situations you're in, how you're able to perceive what you're doing. And at the end of the day, all of the bad that we've done ourselves to other people or all of the bad that we've experienced taught us something. And the funny thing about good and evil is it's one bar. It's one bar, good is at one side, evil is at the other side, but all the way across the bar, there's good, there's bits of good in all the bits of evil. There is no fully good person and there is no fully evil person. Mm-hmm. It, is, it is a sliding scale on any given day, just like boiling water started off as ice, right? Yeah. So there's still a little bit of ice in boiling water because that's where it started, right? It's all the same thing. They seem like two different things, but they are on the same scale we can't split this. We can't divide this. This isn't, there is no right and wrong. There is no righteous. There is what we perceive, what we believe and what we understand based on what we've been taught based on how we've,
0: and that's the key based on what we've been taught. Yes.
1: And how we've been taken in the information. And I know you do have to run. So when it comes to your neighbor, I will say this, there's a lesson in there for you to learn. And if it's, I don't know what it could be. It could be anything. It could, it could be something that doesn't even have to do with him, but you know, inside your head where it is, but anger isn't, is not.
0: And, not. and, and even, do you know what I said? This is my, my mother last night, the last text I sent her, I said, thanks mom. You never need to worry about me. Um, I'll take the high and hard road. Uh, this is a lesson for me challenging to do the right thing, but that is the lesson. I've got a great teacher in you, sweet dreams. Like mom, cause she, cause I was like, it was an emotional day yesterday and I was real, I went to yoga and I meditated and I read my woo woo stuff and I still felt like angry and alone and, and these things we go through as human beings and yeah. is like, but again, like just what you said being like, okay, what is the lesson in this? And what, you know, and a part of me is like, he is just so unhappy. There's something, you know, he's got a story, he's got his child, he's got all the stuff. And, 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 you know, the way that I choose to deal and react with this, if I can like watch myself from outside of myself, I want to come out of this as, as good of a person as I can be and just and knowing that this is this is a lesson, what am I taking from this? And to be grateful for it. Last night I went to bed and I was like, okay, well I'm grateful for this, for whatever this is, this is what I'm meant to be learning and going well,
1: through. Is this guy standing at your door like banging, like yelling your name and screaming at you? Or is he just a nut job in the next
0: apartment? No, the the former and and like, yeah, no, it's bad. He's I don't think that he's going to be a physical threat to me, but like I have to get a restraining order, it's bad. <laughs> Like the police were well. called. Like I have it's bad. <laughs> but, Maybe
1: that's something we talk about off camera then. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, you've been amazing. I since we've been doing this podcast, I've had a cup of tea. I've had my collagen mixed with my vitamin C water. And I, on a scale of ten on the P scale, am at a nine and a half.
1: <laughs> there you go. And that's that that's was- the best way to leave the show. <laughs> Why'd you guys cut it so short? She had to pee. It would have been rude to carry on while she was on the toilet.
0: Uh, but I'm hydrated. At least I'm hydrated. Yeah, That's always a plus. Really great Adam. Thank you.
1: Yeah, it was, it was a blast. We'll definitely have you back on the show. Um, I will, I will uh, do the sign off. I'll let you say your piece. Uh, I'm going to link your Instagram uh, into, the, into the cast here so people can follow you. I know you're going to do some great work on that. Um, is there anything that you want to say to anybody before you run away to the bathroom at your 9.5? Yeah. <laughs> uh,
0: start the car. Um, just that, uh, just cause, cause I'm talking to people that I normally wouldn't via you and you send out a really great message and um, I'm going to post on my uh, page and then my followers can be introduced to what your, what you're putting out into the world is good stuff. And just like wishing everyone the best and thanks for tuning in and let's just keep trying to um, elevate ourselves and take care of ourselves to make our world a better place.
1: Might I sound absolutely bad,
0: but that's, that's, that's the name of the game. That's what we're here to do. So thanks for everything you're doing, Adam.
1: Yes. Thank you very much. Ladies and gentlemen, I can't say it any better myself. So in the infamous words of red green, keep your stick on the ice.